Blog Talk Radio. Those people seem very odd, budget artists. They've all been to the place that sends you mad. The place that sends you mad? Yes, and you'll have to go in there as well. That's your next task. What do we have to do in this place that sends you mad? Oh, nothing much. You have to obtain a certain permit which will then allow you to go on to the next task. I see. Nothing but a simple administrative formality. That's right. A formality. A simple formality. You merely have to ask for permit number A38. All right, Obelix. What is it? We want a copy of permit number A38. What a message in a galley? No, we sent it to the wrong place. You need to ask at the harbour master's office down at the port. What? Uh, no, uh, we don't want to register a galley. We want a copy of permit number A38. The port, you'll find it at the other end of town. It's down by the seaside. We don't want to go to the port. We want a copy of permit number A38. A? Permit number A38! Here, yeah, there's no need to shout. What manners? Where do you think you are by Jupiter? Appliance window number one. Left-hand corridor, last door on the right. Got it? Last door on the right? Last door on the right? There is no door on the right. Uh, He must have got it wrong. Let's try the door opposite. And who gave you permission to come into my office? Oh, uh, we're looking for window one. Consult the floor plan on the sixth floor and close the door. Impertinence. Now, where were we, Miss Arnica? (sighs) These stairs are pretty steep. Carry on. One? No, this is the fourth floor. We want the sixth. <sighs> ah, this is the plan. Can't make it out at all. Oh, no, here it is. Window number one is on the ground floor. First corridor on the right. <laughs> Ah! 
your business. We just want a copy of permit number A38. You have been misdirected. You have to apply at window number two. Next door to this one? No, that one is window eight. I can't remember where they put number two. Ask them at the desk, but... but... Where's window two? I've already told you once the port is down by the seaside. But I don't want the port. I want... Now, gentlemen, do come down. Some of us are trying to work. And what is the problem, may I ask? I've no idea, Mr. Prevexer. They keep jabbering a lot of nonsense. We, uh, we're looking for window, uh, two. Window two. Where exactly did they put that one? The last time anyone saw it, it was somewhere on the third floor. Corridor B, door six, Mr. Prefector. Well, then, there you are, gentlemen. There was nothing to get so worked up about. We seem to be getting somewhere now. I'm not all that confident. So then she bought some material from a Phoenician trader to redecorate her cubiculum. Put hangings over marble, how odd. Oh, well, you know her. The kind has always got to show off. And mind you, she can't even afford to keep a slave or so. Uh, miss. She sold off her Iberian, claiming that she preferred to do her housework herself. But I know that her husband's financial situation... Excuse me. Oh, can't you see I'm busy? Where was I? The financial situation. Oh, yes. Poor old Claudius, you know. He worked up a nice little business building viaduct. Well, dear, the last... Excuse me, miss. Mind you, but how rude people are these days. What do you want? Permit A38. Have you filled in the blue form? The blue form? No. Then how do you think you're going to get permit A38? Where can I get hold of his blue form? Window one. I've been there. That's right, dear. That viaduct at the first breath of wind, crash. Did it collapse? Nothing left but some ruins. Still, they look picturesque in the country. She's at lunch. But you could apply to window 35. Ask them down at the desk. You're at the pod. You're beginning to get me down. Fill in this form and then you'll be able to get the pink form. What pink form? The one you need in order to get permit A38, window 12, second floor, staircase B, corridor J. You need the yellow form, window 7 on the fifth floor, staircase K, corridor W. Get the green form, window 14 on the first floor, staircase F, corridor T. Get the maroon form, window 56 on the sixth floor, staircase P, corridor T. Get the violet form, window 46. The purple form, window 58, You'll never get out of here, Asterix. The magic potion won't be any help to us here. We'll go mad, and we'll be Julius Caesar's slaves. Not if I know it. Uh, now, it's true the magic potion's not any good in here. But I know what. We shall have to fight them with their own weapons. You watch this. <laughs> Is this where I get permit number A39? Don't you mean A38? No, for permit A38... No, 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 no. What I want is permit number A39 as stipulated in the new circular B65. In the new circular B65? Wait here. Here. Ever heard of circular B65? Hmm. Circular B65? 
The one about permit A39? Not me. We shall have to find out from the head of filing systems of material not yet coordinated. Is he on the fifth floor, staircase Z, corridor V now? Mm. No. His office has moved to the second floor, staircase H, corridor M. Shall we go? Yes, come on. Circular B65. About permit A39? No, the messages and new provisional material centre must have forgotten to let us know. They're on ground floor, staircase 2, corridor U. The what? A new circular, and I haven't even been told. Now I'll see the assistant head of non-transmitted material. Where's he? Well, go and ask down at the desk. Carry on without being a just now. What are you after? Permit number A38. All right. Then kindly leave. Some people here are trying to work.
and Cheyenne M. Cushamirel, would you state your name for the record, please? Your attribute for the record, please. Cheyenne Matilda Cushamirel, on behalf of the Marrakesh Empire Aboriginal Law. All right. I want to ask you a couple of questions, please. Um, the first question I want to ask you is, are you employed? Uh, objection, ma'am. This hearing is supposed to be about jurisdiction. This court has no jurisdiction. The court has no jurisdiction to determine its own jurisdiction for a basic issue in any case before a tribunal. Well, if I have no jurisdiction to determine my own jurisdiction, how are you going to get that issue resolved? Listen, this, ca this case in this courtroom is a colorable, incompetent court of jurisdiction. You can't, according to federal case law, you can't set another hearing to reach and determine your own jurisdiction. As I've stated for the record plenty of times, I'm only having threat to rest and coercion and because the prosecution falsely holds my property and I'm here to clarify that matter. Other than that, I'm here under threat to rest and coercion. It is completely against federal case law. It has power to act and a court must have the authority to decide that question in the first instance. That's Rescue Army versus Municipal Court of Los Angeles. A departure by a court from the recognized and established requirements of law, however close apparent adherence to mere form and method of procedure, which has the effect of depriving one of a constitutional right, is an excess of jurisdiction. May you have the flag right behind you, ma'am. May I interrupt you for a moment, please? You may not, ma'am. Then would you, would you, when you're done speaking, would you let me know so that I can ask a question? I'm, I'm, I'm not obligated to answer any questions, so I have no intentions of answering any question. Well, I'll ask it anyway, and then I'll ask it anyway, and you can decide what you want to say. Uh, thus, where judicial tribunal has no jurisdiction of the subject matter on which it assumes to act, its proceedings are absolutely void in the fullest sense of the term, Dillon versus Dillon. Uh, courts enforcing mere statutes, as it is to my understanding, that this is a statute, not a constitutional violation of law. In fact, one of the hearings I had with you, you said people are not charged with constitutional violations. I don't understand how you could be enforcing statutes and you have to constitute the U.S. flag behind you, as if you don't say you hadn't taken an oath to uphold the Constitution. Courts enforcing their statutes do not act judicially, but merely ministerially. Thus, no judicial immunity, and unlike courts of law, do not obtain jurisdiction by service of process, nor even arrest and compel the parents. Boswell versus Otis. Pro I've been here three or four times on the threat to arrest and coercion. Prosecution doesn't even have Otis in front of him. He has no objections. He has nothing to say. He cannot prove jurisdiction. This court should have been dismissed this case. This is a colorable court of incompetent jurisdiction. The fact that petitioner was released on a promise to appear, before a magistrate, for an arraignment, that fact is circumstance to be considered in determining whether the first instance there was a probable cause for the arrest, Monroe versus Popper. There's no discretion to ignore the lack of jurisdiction. Court must prove on record, all the record, all jurisdiction facts related to the jurisdiction asserted. A universal principle, as old as the law, is that proceedings of a court without jurisdiction are a nullity and its judgment there and without effect either on personal property. This case has already been put before the federal court and you will be receiving a notice of removal very shortly. This court has no jurisdiction. Prosecution can't prove jurisdiction. This case uh, shall be dismissed and it will. Did you file a notice of removal with the federal court? Yes, you will be receiving it shortly. Alright. Um, when I receive it, I will rule on it. This is my question to you, however. Are you employed? 
I'm not employed. I'm not employed with any uh, 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 corporations uh, incorporated with the state of New Jersey. Are you, are you employed with any corporation that's incorporated outside of the state? Objection. I'm not. I'm not here to answer questions about uh, my employment. Uh, last time I was made aware of this was supposed to be about whether this court has jurisdiction, and clearly it doesn't. Uh, a question about employment has nothing to do with whether this court has jurisdiction, so I'm not obligated to answer those questions. No, I shall not be answering any any more of those questions that are not pertaining to jurisdictional facts. Well, this is my question to you. I asked it before. If you if your position is that this court has no jurisdiction to determine its own jurisdiction, objection, man. That is not my ruling. That is not my holding. I, I've given you the federal case law regarding such. And maybe you can take some time out that you need to do to uh, to recheck that. But that's what the case law says. Not what I said. Well, I do have jurisdiction over you. Number one, you're here in my courtroom. Objection, ma'am. You do not have jurisdiction over me. I'm here by way of threat, duress, and coercion. The federal case law stipulates already that compelled uh, appearance and arrest warrants doesn't give uh, uh, a minister acting ministerially and not judicially enforcing their statute's jurisdiction. That's in incorrect and false. You do not have jurisdiction because I'm here. You told me before when I was here that you would lock me up if I didn't come, which was threat to rescue coercion. I think that you misstate what I told you. Objection, ma'am. I have not misstated. I have the videos. I have it on repeat 24-7. I've seen you say I don't recall that I said I would lock you up. Uh, well, objection, ma'am. That's on the record. So you can object all that you want, sir. And I will continue to have a difference of opinion about that. All right. Well, we'll continue with today's proceedings, then. And I certainly appreciate the courtesy that you extend to me. All right, Mr. Uh, Walker, I know that you are here. Yes, you wish sir. to be heard, sir? Your Honor, I have uh, Kevin Walker appearing on behalf of the Office of the Public Defender. Uh, we did uh, receive, after the last uh, hearing, a court order directing the Office of the Public Defender to uh, represent uh, this uh, defendant did file a motion for reconsideration, noting that uh, there has been no indigency uh, determination, which is uh, an essential component of uh, our appointment. So I would ask uh, respectfully that uh, an indigency determination be made uh, at this time and absent that earlier order directing to represent this defendant be vacated. All right, thank you. Do you wish to be heard on the issue, Mr. Luciano? I don't, Judge. All right. I have inquired of Cheyenne Mutata Kushimurel concerning his employment. He tells me he is not employed in the state of New Jersey by any corporation, and therefore I determine that he does not have the present ability to pay for counsel to proceed in this matter. Objection, ma'am. Uh, I, don't, I don't know this gentleman. Uh, I haven't made any contracts with the public defender's office. Uh, I don't know what that was an attempt to do, but he does not have the authority to speak for me. Uh, so I would appreciate it if any uh, non-identified parties are uh, determining to act on my behalf. First, fill out an IRS Form 56 and notify the IRS that they're acting in some sort of fiduciary capacity. All right. Let's talk about the issue of, uh, Mr. Walker, I want to talk about the issue of jurisdiction. One of the issues that has been raised in this case and has been raised over and over again that really needs to be determined before we can proceed with it is with regard to jurisdiction. I have received, it was filed with the court, it was received in my chambers on January 7th. I'm not exactly sure if it was filed downstairs on a different day. Something that has been entitled a non-negotiable affidavit of fact to dismiss with prejudice for lack of 
personam jurisdiction, lack of discovery, and lack of an injured party. It purports to raise the issue before the court of lack of jurisdiction with regard to um, Cheyenne Mutata Kushner L. Uh, despite what Cheyenne Mutata Kushner L. says, this is not an application to the court to uh, dismiss anything with anything. There are certain ways, as you are aware, Mr. Walker, to bring issues before the court. Um, what we need to do is have the issue brought before the court properly by way of a notice of motion. I don't even know if Mr. Luciano got a copy of this, but certainly you know that any motion filed has to be served on the prosecutor. How much time does your office need in order to do that? And did you receive a copy of this? Judge, I have not received a copy of that, and uh, before I address that issue, I would respectfully request that uh, you inquire into this defendant's assets to see whether he has a present ability to retain private counsel. He tells me he isn't employed in, uh, by Objection. a corporation, so... Objection. This is obscene. Sir, I do this not is a conversation I that I'm having with Mr. Walker, not with you. This is, this and the way you didn't want me, me to interrupt you, I would like you not to interrupt me or Mr. Walker. Objection. This man cannot speak for me, man. I haven't filled out any public defender's applications nor contracts to agree to that. You cannot force me against my consent to have someone who has I have no formal contract or agreement <coughs> with to uh, speak on my behalf. I'm a natural flesh and blood man. I don't what? have to have yes, ma'am. Oh. I do not have to have uh, an attorney at law a colorable attorney at law, de facto attorney at law, uh, propose or purport to speak for me in any, in, in any regards to these uh, matters at hand. March 23rd, sufficient time, Mr. Walker? I think so, Judge. All right. Then this matter shall be in hereby is continued until Monday, March 23rd at 9 o'clock. Objection, man. Uh, the notice of removal is already in. You will be receiving it today. So if I receive it before March 23rd at 9 a.m., I am aware of my obligations when a matter has been removed to federal court. If for some reason the federal court does not accept it or it's not properly filed or there's something else, that's the next day for this proceeding. Objection, man. I will much. not be participating in any more of these proceedings. Do what you want. I'm sorry, and I can do that. This is the only notice that I will give you of the proceeding on March 23rd at 9 o'clock in the morning. We don't send out letters reminding people. We simply expect that you will be here. Thank Judge, you very much. Judge, you will be contacted by uh, my office, and we'll arrange uh, an interview with him in the office, and he'll have to uh, sign in. Do you have his address? Uh, I, it's the on here. address I have is the, uh, the PO box. Objection. It's right here. Objection. If you uh, attempt to contact me and negotiate any contracts with me, you will be getting sued in federal court too as well, sir. All right. Thank you very much. You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L., where remedy meets preparation. As it is not my obligation, and do not point yes, to me. Yes, you have a constitutional oath to uphold the Constitution, ma'am. You, you misunderstand the procedure. I will attempt Objection. to explain it to you. Objection. The documents that you want are not documents that are in the court's file, 
at this point in time. I don't know if they would ever be in the court's file at this point in time. That's not my problem, ma'am. Absolutely it's your problem. Your position is that you want them from the prosecutor, and you have requested them from the prosecutor, and the prosecutor has failed to give them to you. That's right. You can make the appropriate application to the court, and you can say to the court, I've asked for them, I'm entitled to them, I haven't gotten them, order them to give it to me. I've already filed a notarized affidavit of fact in reference to return of property weeks ago. A notarized affidavit. So if you're telling me you don't have to acknowledge affidavits, all right, that's what your statement is. However, bottom line is this court has failed to prove jurisdiction and has avoided the issue of jurisdiction at all costs. And nobody in here has the status, all right? Nobody has proven status, and nobody in here has the authority to proceed. Now, the last hearing we discussed, you stated that this matter, you stated, ma'am, for the record, you stated that this matter was relative to jurisdiction, not Mr. Keesler's position here, and not anything else. You stated that you were giving the prosecution a chance to prove jurisdiction, and he's not even the assigned prosecutor to the case, but obviously he's remaining silent, and he has nothing to state. So I move that this case be dismissed. When there is an appropriate application before this court to address the issue of discovery violations, jurisdiction, or anything else, the court will act. Filing a notarized or not notarized affidavit is not an appropriate way to bring a matter before the attention of the court. What you must file is a notice of motion that sets forth the relief that you want, and it needs to be supported with a certification, an affidavit, whatever it is. Can you repeat that, ma'am? Notice of motion. This is exactly what I told Cheyenne Matoda Kushner-El. For the record, ma'am, which rule, authority, courtroom rule, statute are you using to address that matter? It is in the court rules. I do not recall, and I'm not going to look up for you the exact court rule, but the court rule set out the procedure that you must follow. Objection, ma'am. I'm not a party to society. I'm not subject to your courtroom rules, and you have not proven jurisdiction. And I will never address the issue of jurisdiction until and unless the appropriate application is made before the court, because filing either an affidavit that's notarized or an affidavit that's not notarized does not bring it before the attention of this court. Objection. There is no discretion to ignore the lack of jurisdiction. Swiss v. United States. Jurisdiction is fundamental, and a judgment rendered by a court that does not have jurisdiction in here is void ab initio, and that is application of Y300P.132 v. Cadia. Once jurisdiction is challenged, the court cannot proceed when it clearly appears the court lacks jurisdiction. The court has no authority to reach merits, but rather should dismiss the action. Malo v. United States, 505F2D. When jurisdiction is challenged, the party invoking jurisdiction has the burden of establishing a bossel v. U.S. power-like company. Courts enforcing their statutes do not act judicially but merely ministerially. Thus, no judicial immunity and unlike courts of law do not attain jurisdiction by service of process, nor even arrest and compelled appearance. 
clear by way of direct restoration. I'm going to make that clear for the record every time I have to appear here, if I have to appear here. The only reason I'm appearing here is by way of your threat to restoration or your company's threat to restoration. You can read me. Let me interrupt you, please. You can okay. read me this until the cows come home. You can read it ad nauseum and ad infinitum. It doesn't change the fact that until the issue is brought appropriately before this court, no ruling with regard to jurisdiction is ever going to be made. Now, let me ask you this question, though. In the other matter, first of all, let me backtrack a little bit. In the other, let me get the correct number out here because we now have two numbers. In the case with indictment number 08-04-0441, which is the one in which Cheyenne M. Cushamirel is also involved, I have severed those matters. So they will be on completely separate tracks. But he told me that he had filed a notice of removal to the federal court. And my question to you is, have you filed a notice of removal to federal court with regard to any of these matters? Yes, ma'am. Notice of removal has been filed. All of them? Regarding all matters. The three matters? Yes, the three matters that you currently have. Can I ask you, please, when did you file this? It was filed last night, FedEx. To the federal court? To the federal court. All right. Yes. As I am sure you are aware, if the court accepts them, then we will simply transfer them to the federal court. We won't deal with them anymore. Okay. Well, I'm still sure you're aware of the matter that you've not proven jurisdiction in either of the hearings and that you've avoided addressing the issue of jurisdiction. And I will continue to not address the issue of jurisdiction until the appropriate motion is filed with the court and the court has the ability to address it and make a determination with regard to it. And, Judge, if I could just for a moment. That's the issue at hand. As currently stands, we are representing. Objection. You're not representing me. Therefore, it would be our responsibility to file that motion. Given the fact that you will not cooperate with our office, it's impossible for us to do that. Objection. We really need to reach the issue. I do want to get back to what Amir KCL said. Now, we addressed the issue to some extent with regard to the indictments. I have here for you, and the record will reflect, that I am giving you a copy of the indictment that has 08-07-0727 and also 08-04-0441. Objection. Just for the record, the Office of Public Defense is not representing me. We don't have any power of attorney for me, and I'm not part of your society, so you cannot represent me, and we do not share nationalities. Okay? Now, for the record, I need the nationality of every agent in here, and I need the name and information because I'm suing everybody. Mr. Kramer. Everybody. So I need everybody's names and your position, starting with you, sir. Who was calling out from the audience? I was, ma'am. No, you were not. No, do not hand anything over. Nothing. In the audience, please do not call out while court is in session, or the officer will ask you to leave. You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L., where remedy meets preparation.
and that in fact this is our land. So beginning with that premise, whether you're more or not more, I'm going to start with what law really is. Most of us think that we go into a courtroom and understand the difference between a court and a courtroom, that uh, the people who purport to use law really use words of art to make you believe, in fact, that law is uh, on the table when you walk into a courthouse or a courtroom, when in fact that's not true. And I would like to share with you tonight, regardless of your religious persuasion, what law really is. Law, and as Muslims would say, all law, is A-L-L space L-A-W, all law, all law. So for anyone who's of a Christian persuasion, don't be misled, and when you hear the term all law, all law is God, all right, that is also what we would say in lawful terms, a misnomer. All law is not God. God has no capacity and no standing to all law because God means governmental ordinance departments. There is no comparison. Now, who can use law? Law can only be used by people who are in their sovereign capacity. And I was, as I will share with you tonight, the majority of the people in the world, and I'm not going to get into all of the details about that, but the majority of the people in the world, 99% of them live in slavery today. So in 1863, via the Emancipation Proclamation, and I challenge you to go look in a law dictionary and look up the definition of emancipation and proclamation, and you will see that a proclamation is not a law. A proclamation is a public announcement by elected officials. It is not a law. So the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 did not set any slaves free. What it did was standardize slavery, the United States being the model for the standardization of slavery, that all of the other nations around the world, as they reduced their people from their sovereign capacity and forced them to join nation states, then they were able to issue statute, codes, ordinances, resolutions on them. And a statute, as in a state statute of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, is not a law. It is corporate policy of the corporation that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated. All right? Now, a code is not a law. The United States codes the code of the laws of the United States of America that are used in federal court and the Supreme Court are not law. They are what they say they are. They are codes, ordinances, and resolutions of a municipality of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private nonprofit corporation that calls itself the city of Philadelphia, an ordinance and a resolution, as in parking ordinances, they are not law. They are what they say they are. They are ordinances and they are resolutions. All right? And the reason they are not law is because the only people who can issue law are people who are acting in their sovereign capacity. And the people who sit in these seats as elected officials are not, in fact, in their sovereign capacity. They are in a corporate ward status, meaning that they are wards of the state. They are members of the corporation, which is a nonprofit that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. 
And as long as they have a birth certificate on record with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, with that birth certificate being a contract, a birth certificate is a contract, and as long as you have a contract with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, you belong to them, and that's what slavery really is. All right? So who can use law? If you are a member of a corporate ward state, if you are a member of a corporate ward nation that calls itself the United States of America, you are a citizen. Look in the law dictionary and look up the definition of citizen. A citizen is not a sovereign. A resident is not a sovereign. Therefore, if you use an address, which is a fictitious number associated with a designation issued by a corporate ward, right, then you become under the jurisdiction of those people who are also corporate wards but who are also slaveholders, all right? So if you are operating in that capacity, law does not apply to you. If you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, and you say you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, then the ordinances and the resolutions of that private, nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the Statutes of that nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, which is a private nonprofit corporation, then the code of the laws, right, apply to you. But if you are a sovereign of the Moorish Empire, those ordinances, those resolutions, those codes, those statutes do not apply to you because you are not a member of the corporate ward state. It's as simple as that. And they understand the difference. This is why on their documents they use words of art. They use the word label. They use the word person. They use the word address. All of these things that place you in their jurisdiction and you unknowingly fill out forms every day. And every time you fill out a form, you enter into a contract. I don't care what kind of form it is. It's a contract. A driver's license application is a contract. A social security application is a contract. When you call up the telephone company and you make a verbal contract over the telephone, this is why they can bill you. When you sign a deed, it is a contract. When you fill out a voter registration form, it is a contract. Does everybody understand that? Don't ever think. Every, anything that you put your signature on becomes a contract. All right? Now, the fact that you are not in your sovereign status means that you make a contract as a minor. They don't care. They know you are a minor because... And, and to be other than a minor, you have to be in your proper person at law. And how we write that is this. Can I have a Can you bear with me for a minute and let me put this on because uh, 
I can't. Can y'all see that? Impropriate persona. Impropriate persona. When you are in your corporate ward status, you look like this to the court. Pro se. Pro se meaning they get you in the court and they bring someone in called a... Got that? Pro se cuter. A prosecutor. Because you're in a corporate board status. Now, if you're in appropriate persona, say in their criminal allegations... The prosecutor cannot come into the courtroom and say anything to you because you're not in pro se status. Makes sense, right? The issues of law, the issues of law are threefold. The issues of law are status, jurisdiction, and adjudication. The first thing that happens when you walk into a courtroom in your corporate ward status is that they already make the assumption that you are a ward of the state and that you don't know any better. So they immediately start adjudicating you. As much the first thing that happens when we walk into a courtroom is that we place our status on the record, on the record. We come in with our flag. We come in with our treaty, we come in with the Constitution, we sign with them, and understanding that the Constitution is a contract.
tell nobody. They getting temporary going, I don't tell nobody. Lord, will you tell me if I change? I won't tell nobody. I wanna go back to Jermaine, and I don't tell nobody. This is the part that the thugs skip. Young nigga never had love, you know. Foot massage, back rub shit. Throwing bubbles in the bathtub shit. That is until I met you. Together we don't watch years go by. In the river, your tears go by. Got me thinking about some kids still. I tell them hoes come through. Get to know somebody and you really learn a lot about them Won't be long before you start to doubt them Tell yourself you're better off without them Then the time you will find can't walk without them Can't talk without them Can't breathe without them Came here together you can't leave without them So you walk back in make a scene about them On your A-Marie it's just one thing about them It's called love Niggas don't sing about it no more Don't nobody sing about it no more No more It's called love Niggas don't sing about it no more Don't nobody sing about it no more there a nigga in the club singing To the window, to the world My nigga round when I come Got bitches all in my mind Fuck niggas blocking my side I know the reason you feel the way I know the dude you won't be So every day I let the man upstairs It ain't you and you ain't me Get off my dick But there a nigga in the club singing Got all the bitches in the club singing And all the mama let the kids sing it Whatever. 
let me ask you this. When do you lock anybody up? I mean, it seems like you're pretty busy keeping people out. What the fuck you talking about? You know what you're talking about, bitty boot. Got nothing but shit between your ears. Shit, they build jails because of me. Judges have handed out over 15,000 man years of incarceration time based on my investigations, okay? My record speaks for itself. How many felons have you collared? Huh? Yeah, I rest my case. Look, man, I'm not smoking crack, all right? I'm glad to Just put it in the glove box. Put the $60 in there, too. That'll come in handy later on. We'll use it like like a credit card or something. Hey, no matter what I say, you did the right thing. Reminds me when I was out there chasing down bad guys, rocking their world. That was some pretty amazing shit you did back there, Oi. Thanks. Yeah, I noticed you applied that, uh, that chokehold, though, huh? <laughs> I thought that was a no-no procedure, boy. <laughs> I was getting my ass kicked. Yeah, and you did what you had to do, right? You did what you had to do. That's right. Oh! So the wolf does. You a wolf? Come on, Wolf. Oh, come on, dog. Oh. oh. <laughs> no, I said a wolf, not a rooster. <laughs> a wolf. Oh, 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 oh. That's a rooster. Give me a wolf. <laughs> Fuck this, man. Give me that beard. Ah, there you go. That's my nigga. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. Right, and um, where 
the uh, well, I mean, if you, if you want me to just further state my case, or I mean, based on my petition, um, again, I was on a legal disability contract. In addition to that, um, Georgia General Assembly, a, a re resolution. declared the 14th Amendment was never properly ratified. Let me say that correctly. One moment, please. General Assembly, Georgia General Assembly A Resolution Act Number 45, SR 39, in addition to Congressional Record Per Session, Volume 1, 113, Part 12, 1967 to June 20th, 1967, um, both speaks to the same findings where there should be no further citations to sustain the proposition that neither the joint resolution proposing the 14th Amendment nor this rat ratification by the required three-fourths of the states in the Union were in compliance with the requirements of the Article 5 of the Constitution. So the 14th Amendment was never properly ratified when the um, Organic Act of 1871 created the District of, Colum um, the, the District of Columbia 10 square miles, um, the District of Columbia did not have any citizens um, and was created as a corporation. In this article, a corporation that used the 14th Amendment to gain citizens, to unlawfully bring in citizens as the um, Civil Rights of 1866 already gave rights to United States of American citizens. So therefore, being at birth, deemed a United States citizen through the 14th Amendment is null and void and ab initio based on the 14th Amendment never being properly ratified. And again, as I stated before, um, I was not of age to contract. I'm now at the age majority. Um, I understand that even at 18, you could still be a minor. Even at age 20, you could be a minor. At age 30, you could be a minor. I'm now at the age majority. That's why I'm here before you, a court of record, according to Public Law 414, Section 310A and 310B. Um, you, you have a clerk, we have a seal. This is a court of record where um, naturalization is, is, um, is proper venue. And in my sense, I'm here to correct the act of naturalization. In addition to that, um, based on the Naturalization Act of 1975, I was never lawfully naturalized as a citizen of the United States, nor rescinded my declaration as an ipso more subject. Um, to be naturalized as a citizen of the United States, it had to be done in a, before a Supreme Superior District or Circuit Court or some one of the states or Circuit Court of the United States according to, to establishing a uniform rule of naturalization act of 1795. So obviously as a minor, I wasn't of age to do so nor have I ever sworn an oath in such courts to become a United States citizen. I am in fact a more and more um, well, based on the treaties, treaty of peace of friendship is called Morocco, but it's actually Morocco, but in translation from Arabic to English and who knows what else transpired over the years through the translation and misconceptions of my ancestors um, I'm here to correct my status. Um, in addition to that, to even um, verify my ancestors being Moors here in the United States, 
according to according to Legislative Council General Assembly, State of Delaware, Chapter 367, formerly House Bill Number 345, as amended by House Amendment Number One, my cause of redress of grievances, corruption of blood, as I stated. But um, based on this um, this act, I'm sorry, this um, legislature in Delaware, it states in Section 1, 106, the Lenape Indian tribe are Moors, and the tribe can date their ancestry as far back as the early 1700s. So my ancestry, I'm speaking to a Moors, were here before the United States of America was created or granted to um, the Albions or um, foreigners who came on this land um, being the 13 colonies. In addition, take mandatory judicial notice of 1845 Georgia law statutes to settle a codification of statute of statute law, section 47, which states inceptions of in favor of Aborigines, Moors, and Hindus, which clearly speaks to my ancestors as a declared, if so, juror, more subject of the most favorite nation to the United States. Ma'am, um, ultimately, I know you swore oath to the Constitution, so help you God. And my reason to be here is a um, petition of redress of grievances, which is in the Constitution in addition to corruption of blood. I'm simply here to correct my nationality. I'm not here to <laughs> cause a stir, harm the public. I'm here to honor my ancestors and uh, spiritually and based on my religious instructions and beliefs. I have a right to my way of worship, including my ancestry, which is all included in one. And, I, I, and I'm here to, for the court, according to the court of record, to grant me a court order that's what my um, sort of belief is, granting my correctional race and nationality to more America's Aborig Aboriginal national native Virginia, to be inhabitant of Georgia, but not a citizen of the United States. All right. Mr. Rayel, is there anything further? Unless you have any questions. I don't, sir. I, um, I appreciate you being here today. And you were welcomed in this court. Um, I heard your argument and I thought it was eloquent, candidly. Uh, whether or not it was eloquent, it's my job to hear it. I, um, again, thank you for coming into court and raising these arguments. You certainly spent a lot of time on your uh, actions for this court. I'm not able to grant you relief. And again, I say that with respect. Uh, wow. One of the uh, hallmarks of court proceedings uh, is two parties. The court cannot give advisory opinions. Two parties require, let me just finish this one thing and then I'll, I'll let you speak. Two parties uh, is, the, is the heart of our judicial system. There's not a party against whom you seek relief. If you uh, want to recast your, your pleadings, uh, name vital statistics, name the state, or something like that, I'm not just able to grant relief on the complaint as cast. But I'll let you speak, sir. Ma'am, I'm here to correct. I'm not here to change. I'm here to correct. I was, I was not of age of majority, okay? So I, I, there's no way you could deem me a United States citizen as a child. I wasn't of age majority to contract. I wasn't ability to contract. So there's no way you can make me in the United States. And again, the United States is a corporation. 
You can't even be a citizen of a corporation. I'm Aboriginal indigenous to this land. So-called Indians are Moors, they were mislabeled Indians. There's been genocide on this land, paper genocide against my people. And right now you're continuing the acts of corruption of blood by what you're stating right now. There's no one I can bring in the courtroom to correct this action. I'm here and petition a redress to the to the to the state based on the Constitution. There's no one that who, who could come in this courtroom to argue, yes, I am a United States citizen, based on contracting with a baby. And I'm sure, I mean, I will appeal this, but um, before I do that, I'll do a writ of mandamus. But <laughs> I'm sure your superiors, um, it's not going to be a lot of recourse here. Put it up on the record. And um, so you, you're stating that because if there's no one to oppose me? There is no action that the court is being asked to take that the state can respond to. The action is correcting my race and nationality because this is a naturalization court based on public law 310A and 310B. This is a naturalization court. There's nowhere around it. It's in, it's in a public law. I provide the law. Do you, do you need me to read it to you? <laughs> so there's nowhere else to go. You can appeal this court's decision, as you suggest. Well, ma'am, well, in addition to that, I hope you're not using ex post facto law um, um, pursuant to Civil Rights Act of 1866. And I will is also on my remedies. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed in this court, in this state right now. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, it's just like, I'm, <laughs> this is amazing. So, so we're just going to perpetuate the corruption of blood. So you're saying I didn't give you cause of it. I, I didn't give you uh, basis where you, where you can grant me relief. Is that what you're stating? The court has stated it as clearly as I know how. Can you repeat yourself, please? Yes, I will. Uh, there is no one against whom you seek relief that I could enter any type of judgment. There's not, for example, the Bureau of Vital Statistics, uh, the state itself. Uh, this could be a, a court, this could be a matter of federal jurisdiction when you're talking about federal nationality. You mentioned other states. The court does not have jurisdiction. Well, ma'am, based on the supremacy clause, well, based on the supremacy clause, what have I mentioned is law, right? Based on the supremacy clause, Laws of the states are applicable here. Also, enter the, um, the Articles of Confederation, which include the Supremacy Clause. So, um, I'm not sure what you mean by that, as um, all these laws are congruent one in another. That's why the constitutions of each state are, pre are, are pretty much the same, these different verbiage. But for you to say that is to say that if a person is, getting, is being naturalized here as a citizen, if they're being naturalized here as a citizen, who, who are they going against? I mean, who did they who who did they bring in? Federal jurisdiction. Oh, that's not, ma'am. That's not true. That's, we you, disagree. In um, well, I mean, clearly you have, but <laughs> public law um, four ten um, four ten section three ten a and b clearly states you have jurisdiction. You stated it does not have jurisdiction. Object.
And I'll enter an order, sir, and you are free to appeal that order. And I want to wish you the best of luck, sir. Thank you again. You know, back then, Muslims were often called uh, Mohammedans. And Thomas Jefferson explained that the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom, he wrote, was designed to protect all faiths. And I'm quoting Thomas Jefferson now. The Jew and the Gentile, the Christian and the Mohammedan. Jefferson and John Adams had their own copies of the Koran. Benjamin Franklin wrote that even if the Mufti of Constantinople were to send a missionary to preach to us, he would find a pulpit at his service. So, so this is not a new thing. Generations of Muslim Americans Where we at, Nip? Man, we in Tulum at the Mayan ruins. Just climbed off the mount, I mean, a uh, uh, pyramid. Got to the top. Seen the whole jungle. Shooting a victory lap video.
nah, I'm finna take it there This time around, I'ma make it clear Spoke some danger to the universe and they appear I say it's worth it, I won't say it's fair Try your purpose or you wasting air Fuck it though, y'all niggas care Eyes open, I can see it clear They don't make them bar none, they don't make them real They don't make it where I'm from, they don't take it here they Ain't seeing due time, I be making bills Going stuff in this game, I have been making deals Get your lawyer on the phone, we can make it real I got checks and balance, I flex dramatic Another 50 on my neck, my record's average Ain't no pussy on my rap, disrespect the savage I make one phone call and the rest get handled It's just another front step with candles No message from the set, we accept your challenge interview, I was quite surprised to see you use the word Aborigines talking about African Americans. You know, I, I've dealt with that issue. Um, uh, I've already you know, talked publicly about that. And my purpose here today is to say that I'm very sorry, and I apologize to anyone whose feelings were hurt by my comment. I've made very, very clear I don't know where that comment comes from. Um, well, from your subconscious. Well, I, I guess. I mean, it's not even a normal thing anyone would say, even if you meant something in a negative fashion, I don't know if you would pull that out. But for me personally, you can't just uh, close down camp and stop trying to do the things that you think are right. Uh, just because somebody, you may, you may give them an unfortunate bit of ammunition, you still got to continue to fight on and, and do what's best for the state in the long run. And but frankly, it's going to give me the opportunity to you know, talk about things that I may never have been able to talk about before. You mean the bill? Well, the bill, or talk about, uh, you know, uh, race relations issues, things like that. I mean, I have a freedom that a lot of people don't have because of that. Because you use the word aboriginal. Because I've been through the fire, and I can, I can talk to people. I can relate to people. I can let them know what kind of person I am, and we can talk about things that sometimes have been you know, a little bit taboo. So because it allowed you to reach audiences you might not otherwise have reached, do you not regret saying it? I think it gives me some opportunities. I went and spoke to a group in uh, the city of Birmingham. It was a uh, city councilwoman's uh, community meeting, probably 95% African American. And because of, you know, things that I regret, uh, offhand remark I should not have made. Using the word aboriginal. Right, offhand remark I should not have made. Which you don't want to say. <laughs> yeah, I know better. <laughs> the, um, uh, but what it allowed me to do they actually listen to what I said, probably more than they would have anybody else, because they want to see, you know, this is that guy, this is that person. And we discussed immigration, we discussed uh, policy that deals with uh, the county locally, and there was the ability to actually get across some things that may have surprised them, that they, you know, realized, okay, I, this guy's making some good sense on some issues. I don't know if I would ever have had that door even opened if some of those things had not happened. So it really has worked as a positive in a surprising way to me to allow me to, to interact with people. Your other incendiary quote was empty the clip, the gun clip. 
juxtaposed with immigration, so people right. think that's what you meant. So how do you explain that? Well, it definitely had nothing to do with, with violence against anyone. It was totally taken out of context. The purpose of it was I was telling an audience that we needed to exhaust all efforts to try to deal with a number of issues. But by the time it got through two or three newspaper filters, it was all over the country that I had advocated violence against immigrants. Nothing is farther from the truth. MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. All right, all right, all right. What up, what up, what up? Peace to the gods. What's going down? You right here on the bottom line on the New Evolution Radio Network. I'm your host, Joey Bowsell Bay, and we live tonight. Um, if you want to get in and holler at me, <clears throat> if you press 1, get yourself in the call lines. All right, three four seven nine eight nine zero one nine four is the number. If you are in the chat, you want to call in, you want to get with me. All right, as always, you can go over to makemorecommerce.com. If you want to set up a consultation with me, anything of that nature. Um, if we got any outstanding products or anything that anybody has not received, make sure that you get with me. All right, shoot me a message um, so we can get you taken care of. Alright. Uh, now, with that said, we're gonna get into it tonight. I know a lot of y'all was tuned in last week, and I was traveling last week, so I um I did not do a show last week. We just played some clips, so uh, you did not miss anything if you were tuned in. I mean, I'm gonna put my headphones on here. All right, now. We're going to go into it tonight. Got a lot to talk about. We're going to be looking tonight at the idea of protected persons as we did before. So I'm going to go a little bit further into this t- topic tonight. And um, hopefully we can gain an understanding of what is protected under a protected nationality and a protected person, right? And one of the fundamental principles of a protected person is that person's papers, their effects, their property, things of that nature, right? Same things that are under the Constitution. So I want to go into this tonight, and hopefully it will uh, it will set the tone for the topic of discussion, right? Now, um, <clears throat> I played the clip with the brother doing his nationality, right? And I played it a few weeks ago, right? And he was trying to get his nationality done. I've even helped a couple people with the passports recently, right? And one brother, they came back and they told him he's still a 14th Amendment citizen. Okay. So the thing is, is that not every remedy is going to work for everybody. Okay. So sometimes you got to try different things. You got to mix it up. You know, you got to know how to do a juke. You know what I'm saying? So what we're going to talk about tonight is... The idea of 
what is involved in being a protected person, right? And what that really means, okay? And what nationality really, really is, okay? Because, you know, you could almost say that a United States citizen could be a protected person. But it, it is in what capacity is that person a protected person? Okay. So we're going to dive right into it tonight. We're going to talk about this, right? Um, now, a protected group, right, or a protected class of persons, right, is a group of people that are qualified for special protection um, by policy, by law, um, some type of authority, right? Okay, now in the United States specifically, the term protected class, protected group, protected persons is frequently used uh, when we talk about shit like unemployment, or excuse me, employment or employment cases. Like, think about like discrimination, right? So you'll, you'll find this a lot in discrimination cases, right? Where, um, you know, if you're discriminating on your job, they'll say, well, were you in a protected class? Okay. Now, they'll say that, quote unquote, African Americans are protected people or a protected class of people because they call them minorities. Okay. Now, we all understand that a minority is somebody who can't think for themselves, so they, quote, put you in a protected class. But then there are other classes of protected people who are not considered minorities. Okay, in that same sense, right, because they have um, come into their own majority, if you will, right? So, to be a protected group, right, in the United States, there's there's federal law that will protect you uh, as an individual, as a national, right, as a diplomat. Right, any of those type of things, right? So what we have to look at when we talk about a protected person. Let's turn that down just a little bit. Alright, so when we talk about a protected person, one of the things that we have to look at is what makes you specifically protected, right? Now in the United States, right, um and, and I'll I'll say it again, you can be protected by your nationality, you can be protected by sex, by race, by age, by disability, by creed, color, national origin, which is a nationality, uh, religion, right, genetic information, okay? So all of these things are considered to be protection. Now, national origin, if you look under the Civil Rights Act of 1964, it deals with national origin, right? Now, the Civil Rights Act of 18, 1866 also deals with national origin, okay? Now, the president and other presidents, right, have, have passed executive orders, okay, that prohibit um, what they call consideration of particular attributes, right, of protected persons, right? And you can look these up. These are under uh, Executive Order 11246, 11478. 13087, 13279, 13672. Okay. So when we talk about protected nationalities, right? 
um, in general, right? A person who has a nationality has a protected status, right? Now, under 8 U.S.C., okay, there's something known as a temporary protected status, right? And we're just going to read it so we have an understanding. It says that in the case of an alien who is a national of a foreign state designated under subsection B or having in the case of an alien having no nationality is a person is a person who has habitually resided in such designated state and who meets the requirements of subsection C the attorney general in accordance with this section may grant the alien temporary status in the United States protected and shall not remove the alien from the United States during the period in which such status is in effect right so a lot of people say well if I get my nationality done, what keeps me from being removed, right? Now, you have to understand that the United States is a federal corporation, right? That's um, 3002, okay? Now, a federal corporation is no different than a, uh, you know, no different than KFC. It's a corporation, right? And we're going to go over that tonight. We're going to talk about the protection that you also have under a corporation, okay, even if it's your own corporation. Now, it goes on to further say that Section B shall authorize the alien to engage in employment in the United States and provide the alien with employment authorized, quote-unquote, endorsement or other appropriate work permits, okay? Now, a lot of people also ask, well, if I do my nationality, how can I work, well, as a protected person, right, especially one who was born within a state, right, here in what we call America, you have a birth certificate, right, which that's really all you need to work anyways. Now, work authorization provided under this section shall be effective throughout the period that the alien is in temporary protected status. Now, when you become a national Right, and you're recognized in their jurisdiction is that you go from being temporary protected to permanently protected, right? So it's a complete status adjustment there when we talk about permanent protection. Okay. Now it also goes on to say that upon the granting of temporary protected status under this section, the attorney general should provide the alien with information concerning such status under the section. And if any time of initiation of removal proceeding against the alien, the foreign state of which the alien is a national is designated under the section, the attorney general shall properly notify the alien of a temporary protected status. Okay. Section C. If at the time of a designation of a foreign state under the subsection B, an alien who is a national of the state is in a removal proceeding under the subchapter, the attorney general shall promptly notify the alien of a temporary protected status. Notices under this paragraph should be provided in a form and language that the alien can understand. Okay, now, I, you know, it's really interesting because when we're talking about temporary status, right? Um, you also have to mention the word stateless, right? Now, stateless people are also entitled to certain protections under the law. But for the sake of understanding nationality, let's look at nationality, 
right? So nationality is a legal identification. Okay. Now, get yeah, the answer to well, what's the legal identification? Well, a legal identification is considered an identity document. Okay. Piece of identity. Okay. Documents that can prove who you are. Right. That's why they passed the Real ID Act because a driver's license is not a real ID. It doesn't prove who you are. Okay. So some countries issue formal identity documents as national identification cards, which may be compulsory or non-compulsory, while others require identity verification using regional identification. So in the absence of a formal identity document, right, sometimes people will present a driver's license. Now, sometimes you see driver's licenses that say not for real ID purposes, and that's where you need a passport. Then that's where the whole passport thing comes in, right? So most countries accept passports as a form of identification. Okay? Now, some countries want you to have your passport and your birth certificate to prove who you are. This is why you go fly get on the plane with a birth certificate. Okay? It's a whole database thing. Okay? Now, um, the passport, just a little history, right? The passport a version of the passport is considered to be the earliest identity document inscribed into law um, under King Henry V of England, right? And he had something called uh, the Safe Conducts Act, which was passed in 1414. Okay, so for the next 500 years and before World War One, most people did not have or need an identity document to travel. You see, so there was a point in time when you didn't need a passport okay, to prove who you were as a protected person. Okay, So when we talk about uh, immunity and when we talk about the, the, the right to what they call legation, right? we're talking about some type of diplomatic status, and that's what most people are looking for. Right, they're, they're looking for some type of status that they can attach themselves to, to be immune. Now, when I, when I talk about protected persons, I have to talk about immunity from prosecution, and specifically tonight, I'm I'm really talking about being protected in your papers, your effects, um, your phone communications, your devices, shit like that, right? Because as a national, right. You're supposed to be protected in those things as well. Now, immunity from prosecution. This is a doctrine of international law, okay? And this particular doctrine of immunity from prosecution, it allows that an accused person or a protected person can avoid prosecution from a criminal offense, right? So immunities are of two types, right? You have uh, what they call a functional immunity, right? Or what they call immunity rationé, materiae, right? This is an immunity that are granted to people who perform certain functions of a state, right? Now, when I say a state, it could be the state that you live in, the state that you was born in. It could be the United States. It could be uh, a federated state. It can be an Indian state. It can be a body politic state, okay? So when, when we talk about states, remember that a state is a country. So whatever country you're hailing from, 
you're supposed to have a certain level of immunity when you step into another jurisdiction, right? This is why when we play that click, the lady says, well, you're supposed to put your status on the record as soon as you come in, okay? Now, the second is what we call personal immunity or immunity ratione personae. This is where you get your personum jurisdiction from, right? Now, ratione personae, okay? Anytime you, you, you're talking about this, right, this is an immunity that's granted to certain officials because of the office that they hold, right? Chief minister, uh, president, diplomat, things like that, right? So certain officials hold certain offices, right, in relation to the act that was committed, right? So when we talk about functional immunity, Okay. This arises from some type of customary international law and treaties. So if you're not party to a treaty, most times you won't get automatically what they call a functional immunity. Okay, Now, functional immunity and treaty laws confer immunities on those performing acts of a state, usually a foreign official. So any person who in a performing active state commits a criminal offense is supposed to be immune from prosecution right so this is if you go watch um you know john wick is a, is a good movie to watch right because they make him they use the term persona non grata right so persona non grata is when you're you're rejected from a state right and the state no longer gives you the immunity and yo so your state doesn't give you immunity which is called the sending state and the accepting state doesn't give you any immunity either. So then you become less than functional in that capacity, right? So none of your shit is protected anymore, right? So a person ceases to perform acts of state, right, when they break uh, the oath that they took or the bond that they took, right, or they cease to be protected. Now, this type of immunity... Uh, is limited in the acts to which it attaches what we call acts of state, right? So you, sometimes you'll see some of these uh, these moors and they'll be like, well, I got my act of state. I got my act of state. Great. You can have an act of state, which is very important to have, right? And I recommend that some of y'all take a look at that and put some of that into your trust. Get you an act of state, okay? But you must be coming from some type of body politic, some type of state. You must be recognized, in that particular jurisdiction. Okay. Now, immunity, all right, although it is applied to active individuals, it's an attribute of a state and is based on the mutual respect of states for sovereign equality and state dignity. You see? So, for you to be a protected person, right, there has to be some type of recognition of that. So states does have a significant interest in upholding the principle in international affairs if a state's officials are to be tried at all for anything that's supposed to be in their home state. So let me give you an example, right? If Let's say that and we'll use um, the Native Americans, right? Native American leaves his reservation, commits a crime off the reservation, He's supposed to technically be tried by a tribunal within his organization. Take the military, for example, right? 
if your ass is in the military and you commit a crime, let's say you go AWOL, right? You don't go in front of a judge in the civil court. You're going to go in front of a military tribunal. So you always are subject to the jurisdiction that you come from. Okay. Now, states regularly assert that every day, right, an official acting in an official capacity, okay, can sometimes lose their official capacity, right? But normally, and then most times, you're supposed to be immune from from any prosecution, really, right, by a foreign authority. So, and this is generally for a non-international crime, because when you commit an international crime, then they get Interpol involved, and then your ass has got a whole different set of problems on your hands, right? So, uh, immunity is, you know, it, it is a key part of protection of a nationality, right? So when and, and you think about this, right? You when you go to court, do you ever see any foreigners in there getting traffic tickets? You never see. I guarantee you've never seen a foreigner, right, who had a foreign driver's license in one of your courts, right? You know, they're gonna see Mexicans up in there. You're gonna see some whites. You're gonna see some blacks. You might see a few Asians, right? People who have taken the identification document, right? Of the jurisdiction in which they're operating in, instead of keeping a, a, a document from an original jurisdiction, right? So it plays a big part in terms of your protection. Okay. Now, um, you know, there's things like war crimes and genocide and shit like that. There's certain things that uh, you're not going to be given immunity for, right? And and this is what I, I talked about. What they call just coggins, right? Just coggins is a it's a preemptory norm, as they call it. It's a fundamental principle in international law that is accepted by international communities, right? Of states uh, where there is no degradation. Okay, so what am I, what am I saying here, right? What I'm saying is is that just coggins will ban shit like genocide, uh, maritime piracy. Uh, being enslaved, right? Uh, slavery, slave trades, uh, wars on aggression, torture, right? So, just Coggins is is an important word when we're talking about nationality. Okay, now personal immunity, and, and this is what we're talking about tonight. For me to get to my point, personal immunity arises from customary international law. Customary practices, right? And this confers immunity on people who hold a particular office from the civil, the criminal, and the administrative jurisdiction in which they come from. This is why you're supposed to be some type of minister, right? You're supposed to operate with a mission. Okay. Now, personal immunity is extended to diplomatic agents and their families. Okay. And it's also valid for the transfer from one post to another post, right? So under personal immunity, your private residence, your papers, your correspondences, and your property is all supposed to be immune. Now, if we just go and take a look at our constitution, I'll put it up here. All right. Just a moment. Okay. Now 
the right of the people to be secure in their persons, their houses, their papers, and their effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by an oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things that are to be searched, right? Now, this is under the Fourth Amendment. Now, if the Fourth Amendment, right, gives, quote-unquote, U.S. citizens this protection, wouldn't you think that a national would have even greater protection under personal immunity, right? Somebody who is not considered to be persona non grata, right? right? So then you have immunity from criminal jurisdiction, Immunity from civil, immunity from administrative jurisdiction, maritime jurisdiction, right? So no immunities hold for private immovable property unless it is held on behalf of the sending state for the purpose of the mission. Issues of secession, professional or commercial activity, or something that's exercised outside of an official function. So, so most times, people get their nationality done, and they're just operating with a nationality thinking that they're protected automatically. Right? But that's not all that's not always necessarily the truth. Now, I'm gonna give y'all some information here. Hopefully we can get down to the nitty gritty here. Okay. Okay, now first of all, let's talk about protection of uh one state against another. Okay. I'm gonna read it to you. It says that protection by one state against another state of the claimant's nationality. On the second question, namely whether one of the states of which a claimant is a national can interpose on his behalf with another state of which the claimant is also a national, the answer appears to have been in the negative. This is primarily based on the doctrine of non-responsibility of states for claims of individuals who have double nationality, right? So this is and this is part of the reason why a lot of Moors um, or the Moor Science Temple are a little bit off. With the discussion and with the teaching, because they're given the whole aspect of saying, "Well, you could be a United States citizen and a Moor, right?" But you, you technically can't be, you know, and, and under their laws, you could have a double nationality. But they're going to go off of what your intention was by your actions. Okay, so you better damn sure make sure that how you move. Right is in accordance with your actions. Now, um, there's something known as bodies corporate, right? And this is this is really important, and I want to make sure that we talk about this because this is really the sole heart of my discussion tonight, right? Um, and this is not a long, this is not going to be a super long show tonight, but I want to make sure that I get this out um, because it's important. So, bodies corporate, right? Meaning a body corporate in English is an organization such as a company or a government that is considered to have its own legal rights and responsibilities. Although the U.S. parent company is not a public company, it is a body corporate whose shares are offered to the public. Okay, so let's let's go a little deeper on that. Okay, now <clears throat> body corporate is also known as a legal person. Now, in law, a legal person is any person or thing, ambiguously any legal entity that can do things 
that an everyday person can usually do in law, such as enter into contracts, it can sue and be sued, it can own property, and so on. So the reason for the term legal person is that some legal persons are not people. They're companies and corporations, right? Now, companies and corporations are persons, legally speaking, they can legally do most of the things ordinary persons can do, but they're clearly not people in an ordinary sense. Now, there are two kinds of legal entities, right? Human and non-human. Now, in law, a human person is called a natural person, sometimes also called a physical person, or a not, and a non-human person is called a judicial person. Okay? Um, excuse me. Now, let's be real clear here, right? A judicial person or entities such as corporations firms, and in some jurisdictions, right, many government agencies. So your United States Corporation is a judicial person that that likes to assume that you are too, so they don't consider you to be a natural person. See, so while natural persons require legal personality naturally, simply being born, right, doesn't make you a natural person. Okay. Let's just put it out there. Just because you were born doesn't mean that they consider you to be a natural person. So judicial persons must have legal personality conferred on them by some unnatural legal process, and that is for this reason that they are called artificial persons. Okay? You're in legis, an artificial person. Right? Now, in the most common the most common case, right, incorporating a business a legal personality is usually acquired by registration with a government agency set up for the purpose. Now, in other cases, it may be a primary legislation, an example of the Charity Commission of the UK, right, or the United States Corporation. Okay? So remember that when you go set up an LLC… And this is why I'm doing, by the way, I'm doing a webinar next month, all right, show you how to set up unincorporated associations, okay? There's a, I have an old webinar, so this is an update to that webinar. So if you want to get in on that webinar, you can sign up on makemorecommerce.com. I'll have a link up soon, all right? It'll be, it'll be fairly reasonably priced, all right? Um, and we're going we're gonna to go through and I'm going to show you how to set up your entity, right? So this way you can also have protection under the entity that you set up, okay? Um, so I'll have the price and all that up for that webinar soon, so you, you can get on that, all right, and get that information. But let me keep going, right? Now, when we talk about a body's corporate, right, or some type of body politic, right, you must always understand that anytime you walk out the house, everything you're dealing with is considered some type of body corporate, Right, and this is the reason why we tell you that a trust can have a nationality, but guess what else can have a nationality? A business can, okay, and that business is protected under the laws in which it was established, okay. So, while natural persons acquire legal personality naturally simply by being born. Judicial persons have legal personality conferred to them by some type of legal process. 
Okay. Now, legal personality is a prerequisite to a legal capacity. So the ability of a legal person to amend, enter into contract, transfer contracts, right, transfer rights, obligations, right? It's a prerequisite for an international organization to be able to sign international treaties in its own name. Let me say it again for you. As legal personality is a prerequisite to legal capacity, the ability of any legal person to amend, enter, transfer any right and obligation, it is a prerequisite for an international organization to be able to sign international treaties. So the term legal person can be ambiguous because it is often used as a synonym of terms that refer only to human legal entities, especially uh, entities that are um, in contradiction to natural persons. Okay. So then when we, when we talk about a judicial person, right, or artificial person, right, um, normally it has a legal name, it has certain rights, it's got certain protections, certain privileges, responsibilities, liability, all that shit is done under the 14th Amendment, right? When you talk about 14th Amendment, right, um, you know, they give you privileges and shit like that, right? So 14th Amendment is not for natural persons, it's for artificial judicial persons, right? So the concept of a judicial person is a fundamental legal fiction. Now, if you don't know a legal fiction... As a fact that is assumed or created by a court, which is then used in order to help reach a decision or apply to a legal rule. So the concept is used almost exclusively in common law jurisdictions. So an example of a legal fiction outside of common law is uh, that it's legally possible to have consumed an illegal substance without having owned it. Right. So owning or Handling cannabis is illegal, right? Driving without a license is illegal, right? That all that shit is legal fictions, right? So a legal fiction doesn't have any natural inherent rights. It's not protected naturally. Okay, so judicial personhood, what they call it, allows one or more natural persons to act as a single entity, uh, a body corporate. For legal purposes, right? So in many jurisdictions, artificial persons allow the entity to be considered under law separately from individual members in a company, right? Sometimes you call these the shareholders, right? Now, um, judicial persons can sue. They can be sued. They can enter into contracts. You can incur debt, and you can even own property. Sounds a lot like a natural person, right? But when you're a judicial person, right, the protection that you have is under this body corporate, right, that is established and establishes you as a legal fiction. Okay. Now, if you didn't know, now you know. Okay. All right, hold on. All right. We, uh, we're almost at the top of the hour. We're going to take a real quick break. And we'll come right back and keep going into this. All right, right here on the bottom line. Call the number. It's 347-989-0194. We live. All right, I'm talking about protection tonight. All right, I got more to go into. So keep it locked. Don't go nowhere. And we'll be right back.
experience life as we know it. As some of you should know it. Yeah, yeah. Place, Marcy, Brooklyn. Action. Well, y'all know the action. I got the shorty on my block, always clocking my rocks. He likes the style of profile, I think he won the mock. He likes the way I walk, he see my money talking. Now honey talking, I'm the hottest nigga in New York. And I see his hunger pains, I know his blood boils. He wanna run with me, I know this kid'll be loyal. I watched him make a few wins, the cop his little sneakers and gear. Then it's just enough for re-up again. I see myself in his eyes, I move from Levi's to get the Versace. Now it's diamonds like Liberace, that's just a natural cycle. Nobody wanna be like like Michael, where I'm from, just some niggas who bounce from a gun. We out here trying to make hard white in the cold green. I could help shorty blow out like Afro Sheen. But I could relive my days if you which is gone. That little nigga's peak, it's time to put it's it's on. Come on. They go my own weight up in my crown. Got to lock it down and when they run, it's my crown. It's time to come on. Pick up my chest and make some I'm out here slinging, bringing the drama Trying to come up in the game And add a couple of dollar signs to my name I'm out here serving, disturbing the peace Life could be better like my man Reclined in plush leather seats And selling weight, I'm selling eight Bull 16, trying to graduate To push your quarters, y'all I ain't gonna sweat him, I'ma let him come to me If he give me the nod, then these niggas gon' see I'm tired of vegan out here round the clock And breaking dates And chasing crackers up the block for my pay I'm staying fresh, so chickens check I'm trying to step up to the next level Pushing vets through the jets Diamonds reflect from the sun Directly in your equilibrium and stunned I'm waiting for my day to come I got the urge to splurge I don't want a lifetime sentence Just give me the word It's time to come on Can't hold my own weight up in my crown Got to lock it down and when they run in my crown It's time to come on And stick up my chest and make some loot Hey fella, I've been watching you clock. Who me holding down this block? It ain't nothing. You the man, nigga. Now stop running. <laughs> I like your style. Nah, I like your style. Let's drive around the world. Cool, nigga. Here's a fact. A G, I ride with you for free. I want the long term riches and bitches. Listen to me. You let them other niggas get the name. Skip the fame. Ten thousand or a hundred G. Keep your shit the same. On the low. Yeah, the only way to blow. You let your shit bubble quietly. And then you blow. Hey, keep it cool. The only way that people fool is let them show his hands and you play your card. Then these do deal and I understand. Don't blow your dough on hot. The only thing I got in this world is my work and my nuts. It won't break up for nobody. I like your resume. Pick a day. You can start. From now until death, do nah, what's part, nigga. And hold my own weight up in my crown. Got to lock it down and when they ride, it's time to come on. And stick up my chest to make some loot. Got to lock it down and when they ride, it's time to come on. And hold my own Back. Uh, so we're, we're going to keep going into this topic. We're talking about 
protection now uh, of nationality. So before we went to the break, I was going into bodies corporate, right? So when we're talking about protection, one of the things that, you know, you have to know is that under a legal fiction, right, what we call the 14th Amendment citizen, there really is not much protection, right? And this is the reason why you can be sued, you can sue, but you can also be subject to things like tax and things of that nature, right? So people hit me up all the time with tax issues and shit like that, which I don't particularly like to get too much into, but um, just understand that when we're talking about uh, being corporate, that that is that is a corporate responsibility, right? So, in some common law jurisdiction, a distinction is drawn between a corporation aggregate, such as a company, which is composed of a number of members, and then what we call a corporation sole, right? Now, the corporation sole, and you'll see this a lot of times, like in your injunction and things of that nature, is a legal entity that consists of a single sole incorporated office occupied by a natural person. So this structure allows corporations, uh, often religious corporations, commonwealth governments, all of that to pass without interruption from one office holder to the next, given positions legal continuity uh, with subsequent office holders having a uh, identical power, if you will, right? So basically it deals with your predecessor. You could be your own predecessor, right? So a corporation's soul is one of two types of corporations, the other being a corporation aggregate, okay? Now, the crown, okay, is also a corporation's soul. So when you hear people talk about uh, monarchies and things like that, right, um, a crown is a corporation So Right So um, Conceptually speaking The office The office holder um, The monarch The individual capacity Of a private person right, All of that shit Is protected under Corporation So it's protected Under a crown So the crown Is also known as The state Right And it legally acts As a person That enters into Some type of contract And then it possesses Property as well Right. So if you think about monarchs, monarchs are, are rulers, right? They're um, the kings in their own right. right. So a person, the monarch or the office holder, can hold pri- uh, properties privately. So an express trust can be considered to be a monarch. Right. And they can hold can hold private property all day long. Right. So when we talk about a legal personality or a legal person, right, or juridical person, right, we must always understand that there is what we call corporate veil, right? So the concept of a juridical personality is never really absolute. Do you have a big plan? Um, yes, I got a big plan. I'm going to be leaving the world soon. No, and no. Going... Before you oh, leave, okay. before you, no, before you leave. That's my big plan. No, no, because you're doing valuable work. Do you have a plan of how we could make civilization better, more humane? Yes, more? yes. Okay. Education. Quite simply, read and study and turn off the television. Turn off all the silly nonsense of government, and it's just incredible nonsense. 
and start educating yourself. The United States federal government is a privately owned company. A, it's a corporation. The whole government. Of course. It's a private it's like General Motors, Ford Motor Company, uh, Sears. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a it's a privately owned but see most people don't understand. The United States government is a corporation. It is a privately owned company. Who owns it? Oh, well, that's different. Now you're getting... Now, <laughs> yeah, now you're asking the right question. Right. Who so, <clears throat> so there's a world of difference between the United States and the word United States of America. Oh, really? United States of America is a republic. Uh -huh. It's based on the, con con uh, the, the, the bringing together of 48 separate countries. Each, uh -huh. each state in this unit is a separate country. Okay. And so you're crossing over from California to Nevada is like crossing over from France to Spain. Right. And so you can't do things in Nevada you can do in California. So you, you can't do things in, Cal in New York that you can do in Florida. The United States is the recognition of separate countries, but the United States of America means... Those are United States. Uh, so, but each one's a state, like uh, like the state of Virginia is like the state of Israel. Right. It's a country. It's referred to as a state. And as a matter of fact, you know, there's a world of difference between <clears throat> there's a world of difference in words and law. I mean, when you go to court, there's a very big difference between a trial by jury or a jury trial. Doesn't mean the same thing. Uh huh. There's a very big difference between California State and the state of California. Doesn't mean the same it thing. It doesn't? No, what, no. What's the difference there? Cal, Cal State is the state we call California. That's the state. Uh -huh. But state of California yeah. is different. What's that has nothing to do with California. That's the federal government operating within the confines of the state of California. Oh. So anytime you see the state of, that means it's a federal corporation operating within California. But California is called Cal State. That's why you have California State University, California State this and California State. That's California. But state of California is the federal government. Mm. Do people know that you No, 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 no. People don't know any of this. None of this. Nobody <laughs> because it doesn't have anything to do with football. So who the hell needs to know about any of this stuff? I need to know cuz I don't like being played for a fool. Yeah. I want to know who's running this country. You don't want to be manipulated. I, 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 don't, I refuse to be manipulated. I want to know exactly who's doing what. I want to know how they're doing it and how are they messing with my mind and my money and my family. So I want to know. 99% of people I run into, they couldn't care less as long as the beer's cold and football's on. They don't care. But when people vote for, like, a president, what is happening? Or that that, you go to the polls. What is a poll? I mean, you, a poll is when you take a you take a consensus of the people. Which one of these fruitcakes do you want to bow down to and give your money to? Do you want this group all here, or that airhead here, or this dingaling over here? Right. We just want to know the basic concepts. What, what which one do you people like? It obviously doesn't <clears throat> seem to matter. They all work for me, so it doesn't matter. But but uh, but right. to make you people happy, would you rather have a woman over here? Would you rather have a black guy? Or would you rather have this uh, old white man? Which one would you like? Nothing uh, changes. You mean Obama says... Let's it doesn't happy. matter, because yeah. I own them all anyway. Right. It's who, just who, business. Who Come on. This is a mob. Well, who is the mob? We're talking, we're talking the mafia here. Well, we're who, talking who, the underworld. Who, who are these people? You know, the, the, the Illuminati, the... Um, just business. Nothing personal. Don't take this personal. <laughs> but there's someone behind it. That oh, you bet there is. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but they're in Europe. They are. Yeah. All right, all right, we back, we back. They and they dropped my call, so uh, let's pick up where we left off. Uh, let me, let me just find a good spot here. We're gonna pick right up. 
right. I must have been going a little bit in too much with him. <laughs> All right. So um, we're, we're talking about the body's corporate, right, and the protection of a nationality. So I'm going to drop a few more things, and then we'll go to the call lines, right? But what I was saying before I got cut off to y'all was that the concept of a judicial person is not an absolute concept, right? Um, and remember this legal person, this artificial person, right? There's a judicial person, then there's a natural person. So they have something what they call piercing the corporate veil, right? And this is a this is a legal term, right? So piercing the corporate veil is a legal decision to treat the rights or duties of a corporation as the rights or liabilities of a shareholder. So usually a corporation is treated as a separate legal person, which is solely responsible for the debt that it incurs. So under common law, countries usually will uphold the principle of uh, separate personhood, right? Um, so they call it uh, piercing it or the lift of the corporate veil, right? Okay, so when we talk about piercing the corporate veil, this refers to looking at the individual natural person as an acting agent involved in the company's actions or decisions. So this may result in a legal decision in which the rights or duties of a corporation or public limited company are treated as the rights or liabilities of that corporation's members. So that's where you can have the same nationality as your corporation. So the concept of a judicial person is now central to uh, a law here in America, Western law, common law, civil law, right? So virtually most legal systems follow the juridical person concept, right? So just to give you a few examples, right? You have uh, co-ops or cooperatives, right? These are business organizations that are owned and democratically operated by a group of individuals for mutual benefit. You have corporations, which are bodies corporate created by statute or charter, so a corporation sold is a corporation that's constituted by a single member in a particular capacity and that person's successors in the same capacity in order to give them some type of legal benefit or advantage, particularly that of uh, perpetuity, right, passing something down, um, which a natural person could could not normally have, right? So a corporation can give a natural person some rights, same way the United States infers Privileges to perpetuity on you, right? Um, and then you have the crown, right? So, just to give you a couple of examples of the corporations, right? Um, under religion, you have the crown, you got the Catholic Church, right? So, a corporation aggregate is a corporation constituted by more than one member. Then you have municipal corporations, right? Municipalities, right? And these are actually creatures of statute. So, anytime you see a municipality, you should never aim to create a municipality because a municipality is a creature of a statute, right? So um, other organizations can be created by statute as legal persons, including um, U.S. citizens, okay? Or remember, statutes can also be considered as codes. This is where you get U.S. law from, U.S.C. and all of that, right? Then you have unincorporated associations, right? Now, the unincorporated associations deal with aggregates of two or more persons, right? And they're treated as juridical persons in some jurisdictions. You have partnerships, right? Partnerships deal with an aggregate of two or more persons that carry on business in a common law, some type of profit or agreement, right? A partnership, right? 
Now, companies are corporations, right? And, and we've we've laid that out. So when we're talking about protection of a of a nationality, it's very important to understand whether you're part of a corporation or not. So the term refers to business associations that carry on uh, industrial enterprises, right? So your 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 companies, trust, um, trust funds, trade unions. Uh, private limited limited liability companies, shit like that, right? Then you have sovereign states. Sovereign states are considered considered as legal persons. Okay. Um, now, going back to bodies corporate. Okay. I'm gonna give y'all a little information here. Okay. Now, the right of diplomatic protection extends also to limited companies, which are incorporated or registered in the envoy's home state. Although operating in a foreign country, so as a corporation is an entity possessing a juristic personality in the eye of the municipal law of the state, international law recognizes that it possesses for certain purposes a nationality. Okay, this is why I say it's very important to understand that corporations have nationalities. See? Now, such nationality is that of the country in which whose territory it resides, under whose law it has been created under, and by which it is governed. See why you want to get on that webinar I'm teaching? Because then you're going to understand why you need to set up unincorporated associations. Now, the relationship between the corporation and the state suffices in international relations to justify the home state in treating the entity for several purposes as though it were a national just like any of its own natural persons. Okay, now this view was affirmed, and also the Permanent Court of International Justice in the case of Peter uh, Pasmani Paz University, 1933. The World Court held that, as under Hungarian law, the university was a judicial person. Its status as a Hungarian national was unquestionable. See that? So. Though technically the right of a state to protect its national corporations, regardless of the nationality of its shareholders, bondholders, and directors, is an established principle of international law, state practice shows that the state claiming the right normally will not afford its diplomatic protection to a juristic person whose nationality is more fictitious or nominal than real. So if this right is indiscriminately exercised, it may sometimes lead to Complicated situations where one state may be trying to exercise such a right in favor of entities in which the controlling interest is being held by nationals of the state against which the right is claimed. So, according to special reporter of the International Law Commission, okay, so they said that it would make a mockery of the principle of nationality of the claim on which the doctrine is of diplomatic protection is based on. And produce a situation that's absurd in law from the point of view of both the respondent state and the claimant state. So it may be added that certain well-recognized tests or criteria have been developed in order to find out the relationship existing between the state and the corporate person, which is necessary for determination of the right of diplomatic protection. See? So the tests are the tests of what they call siege social, the incorporation test. The control test, remember I talked about that when we first started talking about trust, right? And the beneficial ownership of the corporation test. 
So you see, if your trust owns a corporation, right, your trust has a nationality, then the nationality of the corporation is that of the trust. This is why when you set your trust up, you put your straw man and all your property and everything into your trust. So the legal basis for, for diplomatic protection before entering into details concerning the rights of an alien is entitled into the territory of a receiving state, which would largely determine the scope and extent of diplomatic protection. It will be useful to discuss briefly the doctrine of minimum standard of treatment under international law. So let's just look at it real quick. Okay. The concept of minimal standard of treatment was developed during the 19th and early 20th centuries, which was based on the principle that although a state was not obliged to admit foreign nationals into its territory as the matter of entry, the reception of foreigners as a state had absolute discretion except when there were treaty provisions to the contrary. But once the state agreed to admit an alien, it was bound to accord him a certain standard of treatment, which would be in keeping with the notions of justice, irrespective of any manner in which it treated its own nationals. Okay? So, y'all got to understand that it's, it's perfectly okay to set up an LLC. Okay, because the LLC, and, and this is what I was telling people, right? The LLC, even when it comes down to the tax purposes of the LLC, is to be treated like its beneficial owner. Okay, so when we start talking about your papers and your effects, right, things like that, I dropped the, um, for, the, for those of y'all who follow me on the ground, I dropped, um, I dropped the code yesterday on there, right? And I, I don't know if many people understood it or not, but it was 8 USC. Let me pull up a bit out here. It was 18 USC uh, 1039, right? Fraud and related activity in connection with obtaining confidential phone records, right? Covered entity. So if your phone, right, has been played with or your devices are played with, right, and you're dealing with some type of, um, you know, some type of device, right, you're supposed to be covered. So it says that whoever in interstate or foreign commerce knowingly and intentionally obtains attempts to obtain confidential phone record information of a covered entity by one making false statements, fraudulent statements, representation to an employee, making false statements or fraudulent statements, representation to a customer, providing documents um, to a covered entity, knowing the document is false, accessing um, accounts of a covered entity, right? Internet accounts, any of that shit. That person should be fined or imprisoned, right? So you see, when they start fucking with your devices, because I know a lot of people who say, "Well, they 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 messing with my phones," you know, they messing with my they messing with my computer. But you got to understand that when you're supposed to be a protected person, all of that shit is illegal, and you're supposed to be protected under the body corporate that you come from, that you're set up under, right? So, um, a lot of information here tonight. Right, and I just want you know I want to go over this tonight. Talk about protected groups, protected persons. This is a conversation we'll we'll continue right over the next couple of weeks. I'll go into this next week. We'll talk a, a bit more about statelessness. Okay, uh, but we're gonna open the call lines up, take some calls, see what's going on out there. We'll take a real quick break, and then we'll open the call lines up, man. You right here on the bottom line. I'm your host Joey Bounce L Bay. It's Sunday. We live. All right. Um, we're going to be doing a webinar next month, all right, on setting up unincorporated businesses with your trust, 
All right, so I'm going to that you get down with that, and we'll be right back. Keep me crack music, crack music, crack music, crack music. I put it all on the line. Now I'm out here living my life. My best life. Oh. I put it all on the line like clothes hanging out the dry. Used to pack the fire, my clip hanging out the side Put the club back and while we hanging out the ride Since a young boy, man, the gang been outside Pointing at the cars that belong to the dealers Now we pointing by cars when we going in the dealer Had the same jeweler for at least the last 20 Being out of the crib and I was down to my last 20 Cause they shit when you down to your last penny Three homes, one bad mortgage, a crash family You try to block me out of the check race Don't make you be the reason for my next I was cooking up the coke like I was scrambling egg whites, bruh. Now plus I got a problem with attachment. Bad, she gon' catch in the party being ratchet. She know that I'm a G, I be in parties with my ratchet. The way she threw it back, you know what, nigga had to catch it. She asked if I was wild, I said, yeah, I could be reckless. Drop a cord on her, drop another hundred on the necklace. She tried to get before we hit the exit, so I parked and dropped the top and watched them both get naked. You know what I mean? Of the trustee, right? I mean, when you're talking about, is there 
is there a distinction between the nationality of the trustee and the nationality? Yeah, so, well, it, dep- it depends on, number one, that person's conduct. And then also, so like, for instance, um, they talked about shareholders, right? So if you're a shareholder, that could mean that you could be a beneficiary, right? So technically, a, a, a trustee's nationality, um, if he's giving allegiance to his trust, Right, if that's where, because remember, you, you can pledge allegiance, right? You can give your allegiance to a certain entity. People do it all the time with the United States. They give their allegiance to the United States, right? As sureties, right? So, I would think that your trustee's nationality is protected under the trust that he goes under, determining determinant upon his conduct. You know, his oath that's taken. You no, know, I think a lot of people forget that you could take take an oath to your own trust. Hmm. You take an oath to the United mm-hmm. States trust. You know, you know what I'm saying? I, people right. pledge allegiance to the, the United States all the time. That's a trust. Hmm. Hmm. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And and an oath is the. So, uh, it, it, can you go into oath? Like, is there? Because when you're sitting around, so kind of. So let's take a look at it. Resonate, you know. Yeah. So 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 let's take a look at it. Right. We're gonna pull it up. Just a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a official official meaning here. So we're not gonna have no confusion. Now, traditionally, an oath, also called a plight. Is either a statement or a fact or a promise with wording relating to something considered sacred as a sign of verity. A common legal substitute, okay, a common legal substitute for those who consciously object to making sacred oaths is to give affirmation instead. Nowadays, even when there is no notion of sanctity involved, Certain promises said out loud in ceremonial or or judicial purpose are referred to as oaths. So to swear is a verb used to describe the taking of an oath to make a solemn vow. So the word oath uh, comes from the Anglo-Saxon judicial swearing, solemn appeal to a deity in witness of truth or promise. Right. So 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 when you take an oath. To the United States, you calling them a deity, you are making them your God, right? So there's that, okay. First and foremost, okay. Then it goes on to say that an oath, right? Um, common to Celtic and Germanic, possibly a loan word for one or the other, but the history is obscure. It may ultimately be a non-Indo-European reference. Now let's keep going. Oaths usually have referred to a deity significant in the cultural sphere in question. The reciter's personal views upon the divinity of the aspects considered sacred in a uh, predicated text of an oath may or may not be taken into account. So there might not be an alternative personal proclamation with no mention to sacred dogma. Okay, so oaths deal with dogmas too, bro. They deal with religion. They deal with with God, right? So the essence of a divine oath is an invocation of a divine agency to be a guarantor 
of the oath taker's own honesty and integrity in the matter under question. So by implication, this invokes divine displeasure if the oath taker fails in his or her sworn duties. See why it's important to take an oath, right, to your trust? Yeah. Now, it says yeah. a, a person taking an oath indicates that this, in a number of ways, the most usual is the explicit I swear, but any statement of promise that includes with as witness or so help me with being something or someone the oath taker holds sacred is an oath. Many people take an oath by holding their hand or placing over their head a book of scripture or a sacred object, thus indicating the sacred witness through their actions, such as an oath, is called a corporal. Right, body corporate, see? Mm-hmm. Now, however, the chief purpose of such an act is for the ceremony or solemnity. The act does not of itself make an oath. Okay? So, a, you know, a hand gesture is an oath. So when you, when you see uh, the actors and, and the rappers and shit, and they, they holding up the, like, the AOK sign and shit, that's an oath that they holding up, right? So instead of, or, or in addition to holding one's hand upon an object of ceremony importance, it could be customary for a person swearing an oath to hold or raise hand in a specific gesture. The Masons do it too. Right? You'll see them all the you'll see them all the time flash their oath in public. They'll be sitting there, you see Trump doing this shit, he'll be sitting there talking, he holds his hands like a pyramid, right? So most often the right hand is raised, the custom has been explained with reference to medieval practices of branding psalms. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, let's just Real quick, let's let's run it down. There's different types of oaths. Sorry, since you asked, right? There's a Hippocratic oath, right, which is an oath historically taken by physicians or healthcare professionals, right? There's an oath of allegiance, right, where a subject or a citizen acknowledges a duty of allegiance and swears loyalty to the monarch, right, or the country. Then there's the oath of citizenship, right, which uh, immigrants take, okay. There's an oath of office, right, which is an affirmation of a person. Then there's the pauper's oath, uh, the pauper's oath, which is a sworn statement or oath by a person that he or she is completely without any money or property, right? And you know, listen, if you, if you if you operate in, as as the straw man in the public, it would be the idea to take a pauper's oath to your trust, right? Okay. No, then there's veterinarian's oath. Right, but then you got you have a whole listen. There's all types of oaths. You got scout oaths. You got the uh, anti-modernist oath. You got ironclad oaths. Right, there's an oath for damn near everything. So my thing is, is your trustee, if he hasn't taken an oath to you and your trust, right, then mm-hmm. his protection, it, he doesn't have a, he doesn't have the protection that he ultimately needs. That's why you swear an oath. Right, and I don't like the word swear, so you can affirm the oath. So when when you have this oath, is the trustee taking the oath? Is that within the the indenture, or is that? I mean, no, like an his, indenture. That, well, mm-hmm. it, well, an indenture is is not for that purpose. So, so. You take an oath, you can write your own oath, right? So I want you to think about the Pledge of Allegiance, right? When people pledge of allegiance to the Republic, right, for which it stands, right, that, that is a pledge. That is essentially considered an oath. So you can write your own oath, 
right? And every trustee that is under your trust takes a a um, a oath to the trust based off of whatever you wrote. Hey, I solemnly mm-hmm. affirm to attest to all of the duties of my express trust, right? Um, you know, and my nationality, you know, is this and that under the trust, right? And I will perform all the duties, whatever, whatever you write. Right. right? And that's, that's, that's completely up to you. But it can be but done in a particular manner. It's kind of like an effect, like outside and it, in, in its effect, like outside the indenture to be handled or, or like kind of treated by other other entities. Oh. Yeah, so so the thing is, is that like for instance, if you take an oath to the United States, right, then um, any other jurisdiction that you go into is gonna, you know, based off of your citizenship and shit like that, they'll assume that that that's the oath that you took. So the and, and the thing is, an indenture is normally used when you're creating bonds and things like that and putting stuff together. So if you want to include it in the indenture and then bond that oath, you absolutely can do that. Somebody asked, they said, um, they says, what would the oath look like for the trustee? Declare to uphold the integrity of the oath. So an oath would look like anything that you write it to be. And that's the reason why when I taught that webinar on self-insurance, it's important to understand the self-insurance aspect of it because you can then bond the oath that was taken. So, so, so that's the reason why your trustee gets bonded. The trustee gets bonded, and then, and then you make them take an oath. Same way a judge That's does. the purpose of self-insurance? The purpose of self-insurance is to have self-insurance. To no, be I'm saying that's the process? That's the process? The, the, the trustee no, no, no. takes an oath and then no, you bond it? No, that's not the process of self-insurance. Self-insurance is, is a different process, but what I'm saying is, is that when you get self-insurance as a trustee, right? one of the things that should always be done – so let's say that you're a trust protector. One of the things that should be done as a trust protector when you are signing trustees is you should, number one, make all your trustees have a bond. And number two, all your trustees should be taking an oath to the trust. So this way, if they break, if they break, they break rank, this is shit they're not supposed to do. You can hit their bond. You took an oath. It's right here on paper. Mm-hmm. Man, that makes yeah. That that establishes. You throw like, one on, uh, you, you throw on come, bro? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that takes a real that's a real clear line. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a play right there. You can just follow that. Um. Yeah, man. And and when well, I had a question mm-hmm. about about like a trust a, a trustee getting a a tourist visa. Mm-hmm. In the in the within the U.S. to set up a, a bank account um, for themselves, and w- would that be would that be an issue? Like as long as it's or can they do that and it just make sure it's like a non-interest bearing account? Yeah. So you got somebody coming into the United States to set up an account? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, the visa aspect is, is a little bit different from, from your question, but they come here to set up an account. 
um, and they're foreign, they can set up a foreign account, right? But just remember that it has to be, they need to do it with a 9-8 number, right? And they're going to need to show foreign identification. And that's what will keep it protected on the tax side. So if if they do it with the 9-8 number, the tr- with the trust, it, okay. But I mean, because the, they talked to a bank and they said they just need to show their, their their ID. They need to come over here to set up the bank account. And if they do, mm-hmm. I mean, this is something they're thinking about just to protect them because they're in a social, like a, under like some socialism right now. So, right. So, so, so they can they can come here and set up an account here, and their money would be protected here under the foreign trust that is set up under. Right, so the other country couldn't come in and take that money because it's protected by the system over here, and then it's foreign. It's foreign to this jurisdiction, right? And in that jurisdiction, this jurisdiction is foreign to that jurisdiction. So it's kind of, it actually kind of operates in limbo a little bit, you know. And then mm-hmm. here's the other thing right. too: um, if if you're a domestic trustee for that person's trust who's international, you could be a domestic trustee and and operate a foreign trust. So you'd be the for you'd be the you technically would be the foreign trustee for that foreigner trustee for that foreigner's trust, All right? Right. It's no, it's no different from it's no different than you going to Switzerland. You opening up an account in Switzerland, right? And then want want your money protected over there, you know. Now, if you're a U.S. citizen, they're gonna come, you know, they 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 gonna come looking for you, you know, because you're a U.S. citizen, you know. But the thing True. about it is, it always helps. Yeah, it always helps to 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 come into the bank with foreign ID. So whoever that person is going to the bank with foreign ID, and they'll they'll have a, a easier time. That's under the trust. I I I think that's that's yeah. That makes sense. Like that makes the the most sense. I think for anybody to do. But this our trustee, they kind of wanna they wanna. They want to do it for their own outside the trust and just set up a bank account. But I was wondering if that, like, is so long as it's, my thought was that so long as it's a non-interest bearing account, it will still allow the trust. Well, well, well yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Non-interest bearing accounts are cool. But what you, what you really want is to go to a trust bank and set up a trust account. That's non-interest bearing. Non-interest bearing is one part of it, but you want to set up a trust account, not just a checking account. You want a trust account. So you want the bank to know, hey, this is a trust account. Right? And some banks will disguise the trust account as a checking account. They did that with me. But they knew where I was setting up because they specifically told me. They was like, oh, we need you to make sure you put Express on there you know, because it's a different type of account. So you want to make sure that it's non-interest bearing, but make sure that it's a trust account with a trust bank. With a trust bank, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. now, if they, now, as far as the trustee on his own, like, would that if he did that not with a trust bank or um, just for his own, his own, not having to deal with with the trust, would that affect the trust at court test? Like the would that? Wait, uh, ask the question the, one more time. Ask 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 the question again. So I'm. So if he did that outside the trust, like just having nothing to do with the trust, 
if he did something, mm-hmm. just came here and set up a bank account uh, outside, oh, right. not enough, you know, not having to do with the trust, would that affect the jurisdiction okay. of our of the trust? Because he's a trustee. No, 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 because it's, because it was done outside of the trust. It was done on his own. It was it was done under his own cognition. That won't tie him to the U.S. Like that. I mean, he's not a citizen. He does not. He's not well, a resident. Well, but the, like I said, the, 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 well, what would tie him to the U.S. Number one would be a couple things. Uh, his 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 conduct. That's the first thing. Second thing is mm-hmm. what they call the minimum contact standard. So there's that. Okay, and then and then you're gonna have to look at. How he set the account up? Did he go into the bank and set the account up and use a foreign number for the account, or did he use a domestic number? Did he give him a social? Or did he give him a ITIN, or did he, or did he give him a nine eight number? So it's gonna, mm. it's gonna really depend upon what he gives the bank. Mm. Oh, See, every okay. situation is different. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I have a question. Um, if our foreign trustee. Because they're, they're planning to come over here to the U.S. If they were to get a visa, like a, a tourist visa or any type of visa, would that would that uh, affect the trust as far as them being classifying for the well, being a foreign trustee? Well, so 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 a visa gives you temporary time to be here, right? So uh-huh. it, it doesn't make you it doesn't make you a permanent resident. It's not a green card. It's just a visa. So uh-huh. it, it does not make you a it does not make you a U.S. citizen. So you can come over here and set up an account with a visa. Oh, okay, so won't affect the trust. I think. Oh, great. No, it won't. It won't. But I, I would recommend though that if somebody comes over here and sets up and wants to set up an account and they have a visa, that they establish some type of body corporate like we were talking about earlier, you know, to, mm-hmm. for protection, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to set up some type of business or unincorporated association or something like that to be able to use. In the public, mm-hmm. so a foreign, a foreign, a nine eight number would be the best then, right? That's I think that's what I, oh, I, I got. A, a nine eight number is a nine a nine eight number is a holding trust, so it's good to go in there and use that when you're setting up a trust account. Now, if that person's coming from another another country, right? What I also would recommend is that they set up an unincorporated association. You guys, you guys are going to want to get on that webinar I'm going to do in December. Um, on setting up unincorporated associations because that that will help to understand that process. Uh, no doubt. No, that's what that's what we're. I was yeah. looking forward to. Right. So yep. it would be better that, if you come here and set up a nine eight a nine eight number to. He can set up. The, he said that before you get here. Yeah, he said that before you get here. Mm-hmm. He call call to the IRS. You know, give him his address where mm-hmm. he's at. They'll give him a nine eight number when he gets here. All he needs to do is, is have his his uh, his association set up, right? Whatever he's going to be doing mm-hmm. business under, make sure he does a DBA, and then when he goes in, he can set up a trust account, right? And then he can also set up a business account, right? And then he can move. He can do, he can do business in the business account, and then move money from his business account to his trust account, and he can do all of that lawfully. Mhm. Okay. Great. All thank right. you so much. Okay, no, no hey, doubt. Appreciate your questions. No doubt, no doubt. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to six three six two four nine. You on the line? 
Hey, peace to the God. How you doing, Joe? What's up, bro? What's going down? How you doing? Uh, right, right. Chilling, man. Hey, early, I, <laughs> I think I identified that voice, but I'm not gonna say nothing with uh, uh, which court. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, he, he, he want to keep his name private, but you know, you know, okay. you know, you know. Okay, yeah, it's been a long time. Okay, so anywho, mm-hmm. so let's get mm-hmm. to it, brother. I got a few things here. Um, I was just thinking. Okay. Um, okay. So in regards to our in, in regards to our topic tonight, protection, bringing in someone into <clears throat> bringing someone into our bring someone in as a beneficiary to our trust, they are delegated to the protection of our trust or whatnot. At least in my trust. Um, what I want to know, you know, the U.S. can't enter into any private contracts and things like that. But what I would like to know, uh, do we need to write these laws and that you mentioned earlier in the show to keep? Or do we just rely on the equity court? Do we have any situations with the state of municipalities who might intervene on any private contract of ours? Like, do we really? Well, you know, to, every we, well, every state is different, right? That you operate in, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in, in terms of, you know, some some of the laws I give you tonight, you wanna you wanna know them by heart. Some of them, you know, you just wanna have on reference. Okay. You know, but every every state is going to be different in terms of how they deal with, uh, you know, like for instance, in Massachusetts they have they have a, I mean, they have Massachusetts business trust in Massachusetts, right? Okay. But right. if you're in Missouri, they don't have Missouri business trust, right? Like that, it's not labeled like that. So everything is going right. to be different. Massachusetts trust. Right. Correct. Okay. I mean, it's labeled different, but it's still. Well, I get it. It's different laws, different states, and things like that. But same concept. We talk, yeah, same concepts. Certain concepts, but when we still, but if, when we talk about the municipality, the United States in general, they they all. I mean, every state slash country that they call, uh, they are all. I mean, that's part of the that's part of the agreement not to enter into a private contract. So they all still say that's saying that's true. That's okay. true. Yeah, that's true because see, a state can't enter into a private contract. Right. Okay. Technically, they, they're not supposed. To, they're not supposed to. Okay. So, in other words, again, you're just saying basically it's good to know. It doesn't have to be written in. I mean, in fact, it wouldn't be a bad idea if they made a mistake. Then we can bring them into, you know, a particular court. Or not. So yeah. See, see uh, the thing is, is remember this, right? The United States is a body corporate. So because they operate like that, they're a corporation. So. They already have contracts in place with the U.S. citizen, so they already True. making contracts with motherfuckers in the public. True. Right. True. But mm-hmm. that it, so that's what I'm saying. You you always want to have your own contracts set up with your, with your trust. And that's why they can't interfere with contract with private contract because you can say, hey, I'm I'm a natural person. I can contract all I want to with this trust and with this exactly. corporation with my own body corporate. Exactly. Exactly. It's a private contract. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, well. Okay. Well, that being said, uh, we're talking about a, um, we're talking about a, a body. Oh wow! I forgot a body of. Wow. In other words, they're a natural person still themselves. So if they did break that and intervene on a private contract because the U.S. is considered a, a natural person, I'm not. I'm not. Well, yeah, the United States would be considered a natural person too. Sure, so, no, 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 it's not. It's, the United States is considered a juridical person. A what again? Called juridical. 
Judicial? Juridicial. Juridicial. Jury. What is juridicial? Juridicial. That's what you were talking about earlier. Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, I ain't going to hold the line. What what I do want to know also is um, piggybacking off uh, the the previous call, I wanted to know, like, when it comes down to any, uh, when it comes down to, um, the control tests and the court tests, uh, based in, in, you, in you there and you're trying to, you know, <laughs> remove yourself from the jurisdictions and, you know, uh, basically, you know, I don't even want to say the word, but anywho, do they look at, I mean, like, like, can, like, when you try to, you know, do what we all trying to do to get our, um, you know, make sure we hold down our nationality and things like that, can they, I mean, the control tests and court tests, you said the way that you move, are they looking or can they well, prevent well, you from doing well, what you well, want see, to do? See, see, yeah, see, the control tests and court tests deal with whether or not they can bring your trust into their jurisdiction. That's what that's about. Exactly. Exactly. So, so my question, what, what was going with that? <laughs> so if a person is still doing a nine to five, can they try to impel your, your trust? I mean, because well, I mean, not necessarily. I, I, no, I mean that that not necessarily. No, because cause, because the thing is, is, you could be a trustee for that trust, right? Mm-hmm. But it, so so that falls up under the control test. So the control test deals with who's got substantial control, right? And who's got ministerial control? So ministerial duties, you could you could be a minister of the trust. That's a ministerial duty, right? Minister. Which means that you could be domestic. Okay. okay. And then your foreign trustee has substantial duties, which means that they control substantial decisions of the trust. Okay. 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 So so, so that also includes a a um uh a beneficiary. They can be as well as what you as well as uh wow, I can't even think right now. You just said the word. Uh, can be Juridicial. Uh, um, no, no, not, not, not that can be a, um, a person that you just mentioned for as a trustee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so working still. You call them. Yeah. So, so, so listen, a ministerial person in a trust, right, can still be considered uh-huh. a natural person. That person can also be considered um, domestic, but then you can domestic. have a substantial. Yeah, but then you can have a substantial trustee in the trust mm-hmm. who might not be considered to be domestic. That might be your foreign person. Foreign person. Right. Thank God. And, and, Thank God. Right. And they just may have limited duties. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that answers. Okay. Great. Great. Hey, great show. I'm going to have to play this back like two, three times. I'm going to have to find out exactly yeah, what you're man. reading from because I couldn't catch that. I didn't catch what you was reading from. Yeah, I, well, well, you know, I pull, well, you know, I pull information from a lot of places when I'm doing these shows. Okay. Man. So, okay. I, I, you, know, I got, you know, I got, you know, I tend to have, like, tonight I, tonight I got three, four books books out in front of me, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes mm-hmm. I push it from the internet, so, you know. Yeah, and, I thought your definition I when you talked about that. I was reading along with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you know, a, a, a lot of my, you know, and a lot of the information I pull on on the, on the diplomatic stuff come from diplomatic books that I have too. So, okay, you know, I'm I'm pulling information from a lot books. of places, man. Yeah. Okay. Hey, well, peace to the gods. Appreciate it. Hey, God, peace, bro. 
All right, call lines are wide open. We got uh, about 10 minutes left in the show. If you want to ask ask a question, I'm here for it. Um, make sure you go to makemorecommerce.com. If we got any products or anything that you have not received, I got a couple people who I need to uh, finish up on their nationality stuff with. Um, but if there's anything out there that we haven't caught up on, make sure y'all get with me. I know I got a couple brothers I got to get with. Um, so I, I will definitely be making sure I holler at y'all. Um, and if I, if you don't hear from me, don't hesitate to reach out to me, all right? Let's go to 917-796 on the line. Peace to the God. Peace to the God, brother. What's up, bro? Peace to the God. Yeah, yeah. So you was down in the Caribbean, you man. You know, well, well yeah, man, rested, you know, I, you know? Yeah, you know, I had to take a look. Yeah, man, I had to take a little break, man. Get up out of here for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask you a question. Um... Did you uh, read the uh, the Treaty of Algeciras? The, the Treaty of Algeciras, yes, I have. Right, uh, from the Avalon Project, right? Yes, from the Avalon Project. Yes, I have read that. You know, in the bottom part where it, there's a there's a portion where it says passport, right? Okay. Did you did you read that passage right there? Um, let me, let me pull it up. Where it talked about, yeah. Just a second, we're gonna we're gonna pull it up. Okay. Okay. At the very bottom, what page? Page twenty-eight. You know where they talked about the passport that 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 um is uh, filed with the Department of State. Okay. Do do you know which which article it is? If you go all the way down And you click where it says passports There's a passage In, in that um, In that section Okay let me pull up the Avalon project Hold on Yeah Okay um, Let's see here Treaty Algeciras Let's see here If you got it up, you can read it because it's gonna take me a minute. Well, to gotta, no, I, I pull it up. Yeah, I don't, I don't have it up. But there's a the word. It, it basically says that they have um, the passport that they know that is what it's supposed to look for the Moors and the same thing as as uh, for um, the um, basically United States, right? And it says right. that it's filed. Delineation. It's filed. It's filed in the Department of State, right? So they they mm-hmm. actually have the actual passport for the Moors, right? Okay, I'm I was I'm looking now now now. Here's the thing you got to remember because they have what they call now the delineation process. So since they do delineation now, um. They they'll give everybody the same passport when you're applying for one of those passports now, same passport. But the biometric chip is what makes it different. Right, but my my question but, to you because there are different passports, mm-hmm. the different colors of passports, mm-hmm. right? You got That's passports, true. Yes, passports. Right. So you got passports for diplomats. You got passports for, you know. So my question is. Since they have the actual passport 
and what it's, I mean, I, I know it probably says, you know, what it's supposed to say and stuff like that, right? Um, I want to know, like, is, is this, like, have you ever, like, done the research in, in regards to that? I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I have. Just a question. I, I have. So, so, yeah, no, no, so, a good question. So, so, initially, when I got my passport, uh, one of the things that's, you know, that alerted me to know that mine was different from everybody else's was the fact I got a letter back from them. They sent me a letter. Um, they actually put a letter in with my passport, and they told me that they adjusted um, they, they adjusted the, the biographical record. So that was the first that was the first part. And the second part is um, when I actually went and read the laws about the delineation process that they do, right? Because they seen it as an expenditure um, to create. They seen it as it's too expensive for them to create a separate passport for na- for national status, right? For status mm-hmm. as national. So they give you so they give you the same passport as what looks like a U.S. citizen, but because there's a chip in it, that's what makes the difference. You understand? Right. Now, 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 I've looked at the fact that there are other passports, like, for instance, um, if, you're a, if you're a diplomat of the United States, they give you a red passport, right? Right. But you have to remember that a, a diplomat has a red passport because they're diplomat of the United States, right? Um, if you have, I think, a, I think a green one. There's different colors. There's like green, there's red, the black one. there's blue, black. there's black. Yeah. So they got a lot of different colors. Um, now, um, I'd be lying if I told you I I knew how to get one in a different color. Um, but at the same time, I know that being native Kansan national right to a national to the state in which i was born they gave me the correct one for that particular status right Mm -hmm. so so now the thing is is um i don't know anybody who's actually sent in the treaty of algiers with their passport right but if you send it in you know who's to say that they won't give you a different color i that part i don't know and I, like I said, I'd be lying if I told you that I do know that part. But I do know for a fact that, um, you know, they sent me a letter, you know, and I was properly notified of, hey, we've we've adjusted the biographical record. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I found it um, interesting in terms of the passage, what they said in, in that in that uh, passage and stuff, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, that's a that's a good show, you know. Because I mean, like, I, I I was like blown when I when I read it. You gotta send it to me because I'm I'm you know I'm I'm looking at I'm looking through it. I don't see it offhand, but um, send me the the portion that you found. Um, and you know, I'll, what I'll do is next week when I'm going into the stateless part, uh, we'll take some time and go through the Treaty of Algiers because it is a yeah. pretty important treaty. Yeah, no, it was a brother that told me that, but when I read it myself, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it was in the Treaty of Algiers, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a 28-page treaty. I'll take some time and go through it again myself tonight, um, and next week I'll review it. Right. All right. Yep. You know, yeah, all right. So uh, that, that, that's yep. all I have to say. Yeah, no doubt. I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely bring that up next week. We're gonna talk about that. All right, brothers. Welcome back. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace. Peace, God. All right. I guess that's my time. Uh, upcoming webinar, man. Next month, I have a link up. Y'all can sign up for it. All right. We're going to go into set up uh, these tax exempt organizations. All right, unincorporated associations. All right, the last one I did was on 501D. I'm gonna go into the 501As. All right, show you how to set up in different types of entities. Okay, um, this would be a good one you don't want to miss. It'll be reasonably, it'll be reasonably priced. All right, um, so I'm trying to make it affordable for people. All right, we're at the end of the year. Um, so that's what's up. Um, I'll holler at y'all later in the week. Alright, make sure y'all hit me up If you need some help with anything Makemorecommerce.com Alright, I'm up out of here I'm going to say peace to the gods Thank you brother for dropping that information I'll look a little further into that Alright, and I appreciate all y'all listeners, man Everybody who sat back Chilled out, listened to the show, man We up out of here Peace to the gods Night conversation in the crib, heart racing, trying to be cool and patient. She touched on my eyelids, the room fell silent. She walked away smiling, singing Gregory Isaacs like, If I don't, if I don't, if I don't, show me a tan line and a tattoo, playing shot, they sweet as taboo, burning candles. All my other plans got canceled. Man, I smashed it like an Idaho potato. She called me at my jail, come now, I can't say no. Gyms and tree trunks, rocking a pee from cocking her knees up. Champion lover, not ease up. Three months, she call, I feel I'm running a fever. Six months, I'm telling her I desperately need her. Nine months, two right sisters are shorty not around. I need more than to knock it down, I'm really trying to lock it down. Midnight, we hook up and go at it. Burn a slogan, let her know, sweetheart, I got to have it. She's telling me commitment is something she can't manage. Wake up the next morning, she going like it was magic. Oh, damn it. And full frantic. My number wants an answer by my plot, Taurus and Chantress. Who hit me up? I saw Sharice at the kitty club with some banging ass agent playing, lay it down and lick me up. What? Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On Evolution Radio.